Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm had dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, and I are recording this on Wednesday, April 15th, which is traditionally tax day here in the States. Dan, are, you know, did, did you actually get your taxes done before they extended the deadline out? Or? I, yeah, mine were done a couple of months ago. We, ah. tried to, we tried to take care of that right off the bat. Yeah. Okay. okay. How um, about you? Well, you know, again, I, I, I live at the end of a dirt road. I, I kind of work the Unabomber side of the street. So, you know. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I, I anticipate the IRS will come find me someday. Um, anyway, uh, okay, so yes, April 15th. Uh, you know, and uh, for those of you who are history buffs, this is also the night the Titanic went down uh, oh, back in 12. Um, that's, I, I did a little due diligence before we got started here, Dan, tonight. That's. That's fifteen hundred and fourteen people were lost that night. Uh, that's why we still talk about this disaster uh, one hundred eight years later. Um, however, just to put this in perspective, uh, the Washington Post reported a half hour ago twenty four hundred people died in the United States just today from the coronavirus. So, wow. yeah, uh, kind of kind of sobering news and yes. Uh, also, you know, again, a weird sort of way, though, again, you as the English teacher, I always think of the, the T.S. Eliot line from the Wasteland. What is it? April is the cruelest month. Yes. Oh. Ironic. Really ironic. Uh, they, how's the weather been for you guys? We, we woke up this morning, mm-hmm. you know, uh, two days ago. It was in the 70s. Today, it was the ground was covered in snow. Uh, oh, it's, um, just, it's a pretty odd time, but that's why. Uh, we're excited to talk about some Lucasfilm products and releases because we know the people need a smile on their face. And good news, the force is strong with us, so we are ready to go. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but again, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but you know we have to start with the disappointing news, and that's a <laughs> yes, your buddy, your good close personal friend Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, who it, it looks like it's going to be a little while yet before he puts back on his hat and and grabs his whip. Uh, you heard about this, right? Oh yeah, sadly, yes. Yeah, Indiana Jones uh, has five has been pushed back yet again. And um, look, folks, this is really because uh, a ripple effect that was kind of started with Mulan, uh, Disney's live action. Version will on it was supposed to open on, on March 27th. Uh, that's now scheduled to debut at your local multiplex on July 24th. Um, but the problem is, July 24th used to be uh, the day that um, Disney's The Jungle Cruise, uh, the Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt movie. Uh, was going to arrive in theaters. And according to folks at uh, a number of folks at the studio, they think Jungle Book could be their, the studio's next big film franchise, like Pirates of the Caribbean big. Um, but of course, when you have a, something that you think of as a summer blockbuster, you have to release it in the summer. Uh, so the way this works is Jungle Cruise got pushed off till July 30th, 2021, which 
up until recently was where Indy 5 was supposed to finally be coming out after being put off like three times in a row, Dan, four times in a row. I'm starting to need an abacus to figure it out. <laughs> okay. Um, well, all right. At this point, uh, Indy, uh, Indy 5, which, by the way, is is still going to be written and directed by James Mangold and uh, executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's now slated to arrive in theaters July 29th, 2022. Um, and it just makes me crazy because I know on a recent looking at Lucasfilm, you and I were talking about how, what, they were going to start shooting in London in April? Um, but okay. Yeah, he was all set to go and was talking about it in promotionals for Call of the Wild. And then, uh, you know, I've got a bad feeling about this. Here we go with Corona. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, we, we actually just had um, uh, Marvel and Pixar and Lucasfilm uh, furlough staff on April 9th. So, you know, with that going on, you know, obviously uh, production isn't going to begin anytime soon on, on Indy 5. Um, uh, should be try to be positive, though, here, uh, Dan, uh, that uh, the furlough does give Mangold, who wrote the, the who co-wrote the screenplay for Logan, that R-rated X-Men movie that that he also directed back in I want to say 2017. Um, it, it gives him more time to polish the screenplay for Indy Five, which at this point has been worked on by Jonathan Castan and yeah. um, so many, so many. Uh, it was the third person to kind of get a crack at it. Uh, I, you know, well, third time's a charm. Remember, yeah, let's hope so. We're being positive here if we can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a weird little side note, though, and I, again, I'm kind of embarrassed that I forgot this, but remember when, um, you know, about the time, uh, you know, that, that I it was just when Solo was a uh, Star Wars story was being released in theaters. Um, look at the, the Hollywood Reporter reported that Lucasfilm had recruited James Mangold to write and direct a Star Wars story movie, again, a, the standalone in the style of Rogue One or, or Solo. Uh, but this was supposed to be about Boba Fett. Um, and I think we must have talked about that at one, some point, didn't we, Dan? Yeah, it's come up a couple of times. That's long been the fans' dream for there to be a Boba Fett standalone film. I remember when I was in college, someone was telling me that, that Boba Fett was a Jedi and it said so in all the books. And I said, oh, really? What books? I, you know, I'm kind of a big Star Wars fan. Tell me about the books there. And he goes, well, I don't know the title of them, but that's the truth. I mean, for years, and this was back in the 90s, so for years people have been speculating about his background, his story, what he might mean, and we've all, they've always been hungry for him. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the prequels and some of the episodes of the Clone Wars when we saw Boba Fett as a younger individual mm-hmm. sort of stymied that a little bit, but then, you know, time heals all wounds, creative and otherwise, and now people are all set for this, and we've certainly been talking about it, but it doesn't sound like... Well, I mean, I think things turned a different way, didn't they? 
Well, they did. They did. I mean, you know, again, after Solo, Star Wars Story underperforms at the box office, uh, Lucasfilm tables its plans to make a Boba Fett movie in October of, of 2018 and opted instead to go forward with uh, the production of The Mandalorian for Disney+, Plus, which, which seemed to have worked out. Um by the way, I, again, I know you you typically don't trade in rumors, so that I'm always a little reluctant to bring them up here on this podcast. But did you see the story that was making the rounds yesterday about Ming Na Wen's character, and I want to say Fennec Shand, the shark? Fennec Shand. Yeah, I saw that, and I I thought, well, how did that happen? Uh, because she she appeared to perish, I think, in the fourth episode, fourth or um, fifth episode. Yeah, the, the the gunslinger. Um, yeah, that written by Filoni, mm-hmm. and directed. No, yeah, and directed. Well, directed by Filoni for no, it was written by Farrell. They're all written by Farrell, but Dr- Filoni directed that one. But mm-hmm. when she died uh, towards the end of that episode, they didn't actually show her body per se. So that, it did kind of cross my mind, but I was a little surprised to see this story. Well, now remember that that you know at the very end of episode five, there's this. Weird shot where you, you've got Shan's body, and then you see this person step into the shot at the foreground, but you can only see them from like the the you know the feet and the lower calves up. You never get to see who it is. Um, there was a, a, a at that moment there was a lot of speculation about okay, so what's the significance of that? Is is Fennec actually dead, or more to the point? Who's just stepped into the shot? And there was a lot of speculation that it was actually it actually was Boba Fett. So um, I don't know what to tell you, folks. The only way we're going to find out is we got to make it to October, which is when season um, two of uh, kind of the Mandalorian begins airing on uh, Disney Plus. But while we wait, can you talk a little bit about this? Um, Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian thing, the news that broke today, because yeah, basically we're going to get to see some exciting stuff. We're going to get to we're going to get a Mandalorian fix starting May the fourth, which of course is the unofficial Star Wars day, and along the lines of an, an eight episode documentary series that's going to go behind the scenes of each of the episodes of the Mandalorian. Very very detailed. Favreau is heavily involved with it. Um, the footage, the conversations. It, it's going to be awesome, and I've heard that it's just going to blow people away. And if you thought that special effects thing we saw was impressive, just wait until you see this. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Now, now speaking, though, about May 4th, that's also, again, today was revealed that that's when the very last episode of Season 7 of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, airs. And did you, do you get to see the trailer that dropped today or for the last four? Yes. Um, yeah, the trailer looks spectacular, and um, the description that Lucasfilm uh, shared in the press release was exciting because it indicated that this storyline is basically going to run parallel or just before Revenge of the Sith, and that is major, major news. Uh, I have to admit, just I, that Metalong trailer was killer, and um, I and also I know you and I talked, you know, on a previous show about. Uh, the most recent episodes of Clone Wars, the, the the one featuring the Martez sisters, and I wasn't entirely on board, but it ended well. Um, uh, more to the point, given 
the your depth of knowledge when it comes to you know the the Star Wars saga and that sort of thing. You obviously knew that Bo Katana. Is, is am I saying that name right? Bo Katan. Bo Katan. Uh, you know, she would be re-enter or coming back on the stage of the, the Clone Wars series. Uh, yes. Katie Sackhoff is the voice of Bo-Katan. Okay. Famous for Battlestar Galactica. That's right. That's right. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. Uh, doesn't she actually play, or, or didn't she play the Starbuck character in? Yes. Yes. And she's, she's amazing. And she's oh. great in this too. But yeah, that's, that's where she definitely kind of rose to prominence. Okay, so and I got to say, I loved uh, the bit in the trailer where you you got to see Ahsoka reunite with the clones. You know that that was you know just mm. a little bit of staging and great storytelling. But they uh, showed that as celebration that sequence. Did they uh, really? Where where Anakin walks her in and all the clone, clones are there and they're wearing that helmet with the with Ahsoka's uh, kind of design or i don't I know if it's her i guess it's like tattoos or maybe that's just her birthmark or i'm really sure how they do it but it's obviously her and it's, it's really really touching it plays very very well got it okay well again folks mark your calendars again so that's the series finales of star wars the clone wars as well as the first episode of disney gallery the mandalorian both becoming available for streaming on disney plus starting on monday may 4th by the way, have you noticed, and, and Drew could probably speak to this a lot better than I could, and, and you as well, but have you noticed like the, the animation, sort of the models they're using for these characters are really, really strong? You can tell they've, they've kind of layered them up a bit. Well, you know, remember, I was trying to do my due diligence and started with the, the Clone Wars, the movie that was released theatrically that, that, that sort of kick-started the series, mm-hmm. and... You're right. You know, they, well, again, we, we, we talked previously about how George kind of wanted that Thunderbirds, you know, puppet look, you know, coupled with, of course, what the work that Kennedy had done uh, on the Clone Wars hand run thing. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I, I have to admit, if you, you start with that, that, that film and look at the animation today, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it, it's, better rigs or it's better lighting or better you know subsurface work but yeah they they, they look amazing uh and but more to the point and I, I mean this in the kindest possible way you know you know when you're watching the rise of skywalker particularly the the end scene uh or you know the the end battle scene where the you know, there, there's you know the what the the ten thousand death cruisers or whatever they are in all of the other, you know, the, the, the you know, uh, you know, the, the rebels send six thousand ships to battle with them. Um, you know, the thing of the animated series is, I always know where to look. It's so beautifully staged. You know, I'm 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 never con- confused watching a scene. I always know where exactly I'm supposed to be looking and what story points are being revealed. And um, you know, that just this is really really quality work folks and again if you're not on board yet uh especially out ahead of these last four episodes you know be sure to check out season seven um by the way we we were just talking about the mandalorian and (laughs) what was it uh three days ago four days ago i reached out to you dan with uh to share some information in regard to your local hallmark story oh Um, yes 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 
Okay. Uh, all right, folks. Just this past week, uh, Hallmark has published its 2020, I want to say it's called the Dream Catalog. Yes. Lists um, all of the ornaments that are coming out this year. Uh, and, and, you know, again, it's Hallmark. So there are ornaments based on professional sports. There are ornaments based on Warner Brothers characters. There are ornaments based on Disney characters, Pixar characters. And more importantly, to listen to this show, there are ornaments based on Star Wars. To be specific, The Mandalorian. Uh, and and the, the thing is, I sent Dan a link because they have an absolutely charming uh, ornament for the child uh, Baby Yoda character. And likewise, a, a nice strong action pose for um, uh, the Mandalorian himself. Yeah, okay. it's there's a there's a there's quite a lineup, uh, and I know there's not as many Hallmark stores, uh, retail brick and mortar stores as there used to be, but I feel like it's still going to be a huge draw. You can sign up online. I mean, thank kudos to you, thank you for letting me know because I had no idea these were coming out, and I mm. also saw they also have a, a gorgeous mold of an Adat. One, they've got a ton of ornaments that are coming out to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back. There's there's quite a quite a few Star Wars ornaments coming up, but I obviously you and I both know mm-hmm. that the Mandalorian and especially the child are going to be the big draws. They are, they are, which is why uh, again, uh, my good friend Angela Ragno walked me through what we need to do, and it turns out um, if you go to Hallmark.com. Um, they have what they call your wish list. And what they basically do, Dan, is that you put together which of the ornaments from the Dream Catalog you like. And what they then do is pair you with the, the, your, the Hallmark store that's closest to where you live. And what's interesting is the Hallmark store, that Hallmark store then uses your order and all of the other orders, you know, that folks in the vicinity have made. And they use that to inform their ordering for the upcoming holiday season. Uh, The nice upside of that is that means they have, you know, for example, if you, you do the wish list thing. They have a child waiting for you. They have a Mandalorian waiting for you. They they will you know they'll contact you and say, hey, we've got it. You, you know if you want to come in and collect it. So uh, if you want to take the guesswork and the worry out of this, uh, that might be something worth pursuing. Now, mind you, you know we are talking about what is it nineteen ninety nine? I think is the, what the price point was for these two. Um, yep, so, that sounds right. Yeah, um, not. Inexpensive, but you know, uh, but again, beautifully designed, and uh, you know, it, again, if you've got a, a Star Wars fan that you're shopping for this year and you want to do something special for Christmas, I mean, besides the two that we just mentioned, now I got to go back and look at the 30th anniversary of the Empire stuff. Thanks, Dan. 40th anniversary. 40th? Yeah. 1980. Dear Lord, you're right. Oh, I am crazy. So- so old. Um, uh, speaking of, of of Empire, though, uh, it, it, it just today, uh, Walt Disney Studios uh, announced that they're holding a flash sale uh, with the idea to, to aid all of us who are sitting at home and feeling a little straight, stir crazy, wanted some additional entertainment. And um, the the way this this flash sale works is that 
Uh, they're making select films from the studio's vast library. And we're talking Pixar. We're talking 20th Century. We're talking everything. Um, but they're on sale for a limited time on digital platforms here in the U.S. The films, which start at $4.99 apiece, uh, are being organized in thematic collections with different collections becoming available each week throughout April and May. And, and the thematic collection that I think uh, is obviously going to interest uh, looking at Lucasfilm listeners is, of course, the May the 4th, which uh, available digital HD and ultra high def from Tuesday, uh, April 28th through May 4th. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the entire Star Wars saga from, uh, you know, episode one, the Phantom Menace, all the way through to Rise of Skywalker, uh, plus the, how many of the, the Star Wars stories at this point? There's Rogue One and Solo. That's it. Yep. Just those two. Okay. And then, um, uh, th then of course there's the 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 literally the the standalone uh film that goes out with rise of skywalker the, the skywalker saga uh and uh, and dan i i want to thank those looking at films who were nice enough to reach out with their opinions of the the target exclusive edition of episode nine in fact they're the ones who uh mentioned that uh the the book that came along with it really is kind of a cut down edition of Phil Sostak's uh, Order of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but I myself, and again, I apologize. I just, I've been busy. Um, I haven't sat down and watched the Star Wars, the, the Skywalker saga. If you could chime in through social media and let us know your favorite parts of uh, the Skywalker saga, and maybe you'll finally convince the two of us to actually push through and, and watch the whole thing. Um, uh, oh, uh, we, I mean, we were just talking about Phil Sostak's uh, The Art of Star, War, uh, uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Did, did you see that tidbit that, that bubbled up early this week for the book? No, no, tell me about it. Okay, uh, this buried down deep in the text of this 256-page hardcover. Uh, well, this is the exact quote. Solo, a Star Wars film, had been intended to be the first of many Star Wars films to return the franchise to its traditional late May release date. Um, so evidently the, the thinking was that if Solo, a Star Wars story, had been a huge success when it was released to theaters in May of, of 2018, what Lucasfilm wanted to do was try to convince Disney to shift the release date of all future Star Wars films Back to when, uh, you know, episode four, five, six, and then one, two, and three were released, which was basically the, the Memorial Day weekend. Um, which, I get it. I get why they, they'd want to do that. But given that, what, uh, the original Avengers came out in May of 2012, and, and then uh, Avengers Age of Ultron came out in May of 2015, and then uh, I think both Infinity War and Endgame came out in April, but it was really the last week of April. Um, I, I'm just thinking, given what it takes to properly launch a summer blockbuster, to promote it, and to, you know, and especially with the hope that it not only is number one in its opening weekend, but it's, you know, it hangs on to that position for another couple of weekends behind that. Um, it might have been tough for Lucasfilm to convince Disney to surrender the Memorial Day weekend to Star Wars, especially since Marvel had really kind of already claimed that turf. 
Um, yeah, and and if I feel I've always felt like kind of the Christmas kind of the glow of Christmas has been more of a a family experience for people to go to the movie theaters anyway, and I think the, all the box office receipts have certainly proved that. No doubt, but no doubt. It, it's hard. It's hard, and I, I agree. Marvel has pretty much set the stake out, although they seem to be doing pretty well in April, or at least you know in past years. Well, the interesting thing is supposedly Marvel now believes that they've managed to push uh, the start of summer blockbuster season into April, which, again, you know, when you think about, you know, Hollywood was convinced that summer blockbuster season started Memorial Day. Uh, and it just, it's just kind of astounding we're now in April, or we were in April until the theaters closed. Um, but anyway, after Solo un- underperformed, all of this just basically act became academic, and Lucasfilm actually then moved Episode Nine, uh, The Last Jedi, out of its previously announced May 2019 release date to the already established safe harbor of that just before Christmas release date. And and you know, again, as Dan pointed out, you know, you can't really miss with everybody being home, you know, and the family's looking for things to do to be in that spot with a Star Wars film. Um, of course, but let's remember that also in that same window of time was when the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie that Stephen Daldry was supposed to direct uh, got reimagined as a limited series. Um, and speaking of which, I, I think, um, I don't know if we, we talked about this on the, 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 the last show, Dan, but uh, Lucasfilm just revealed that Joe B. Harold has been hired to rewrite the scripts for the Obi-Wan limited series that Hosni Amani had previously written. Uh, you know, and remember, they were talking about those scripts. They were done. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally done. And Kathleen Kennedy even talked about that. Mm-hmm. So I, I uh, wonder what happened. Well, you know, um, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, to, to not to keep beating the same drum, but Mandalorian became such a phenomena and, you know, and, and really established a template for, you know, how these things could be that uh, maybe they thought, okay, you know, that, you know, now we got to top the Mandalorian. Um, but anyway, Deborah Chow, who again directed two episodes of the Mandalorian, episode three, the sin and episode seven, the reckoning. Uh, she's still on tap to direct, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series. And now, uh, the start of production has been pushed back for obvious reasons from August of 2020 to January, 2021. Um, anyway, that's the future of the franchise in a moment. Uh, we're going to take a look back at the very first time a star Wars character made an appearance on Disney world property. And we're back. Um, again, I, I feel bad folks. I feel like Dan and I have talked about a lot of bad, depressing news. So, but I wanted to share a news item that literally just came through before uh, Dan and I started recording tonight and, uh, well, first of all, uh, you know, you know, you, you have to explain that the UK right now is, is, uh, facing a severe shortage of personal protective equipment in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, which, and what's interesting is that the folks who designed costumes for the Downton Abbey TV series, as well as all of the Star Wars films that have recently been shot over in the UK, uh, they've stepped in to help Dan. 
Um, these folks, along with their production teams, have stitched together thousands of medical scrubs for the nation's beleaguered National Health Service. Uh, they've got people working in 30 different locations. And as of tonight, Dan, they've, they've put together 6,500 scrubs. Um, which, I, you know, it's again, extraordinary. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I love that, you know, uh, they were able to do that. And, and more to the point, how they're going to be used. Um, speaking of, of, of costume designs, though, Dan, I have to ask, did you see that High Republic concept art that StarWars.com uh, put up online on April 2nd? Oh, yeah. I, not only did I see it, but we talked about it on, on my on Monday nights to do the Facebook Live show. And I spent uh, quite a bit of time looking them over and talking about them because they're so Arthurian in their scope and the mythological I, constructs. All right, because that's the thing. All I could think of is that, you know, these are images of the Jedi Knights and Masters, and, and they seem to have really leaned into the Knights thing, as in the Knights of the Round Table. Um, you know, it's just, well, what is it? Uh, Michael Sieglin, uh the creative director for Lucasfilm Publishing, was quoted in the releases as talking about, this is a hopeful, optimistic time when the Jedi were good and noble. And and those outfits, I mean, with all of the the ivory cover colored robes and and gold trim, I mean, they they just you know they, they look good. Um, though I, I have to ask, I I, I want to say her name is Keeve Trennis. Um, Your guess is as good as mine on that. They because they haven't shared with us what they are, so I don't okay. know. All right, they're, but, they're tricky. They are, they are. But but what was kind of intriguing to me out of the five images that they showed us, the one individual who's wearing somewhat dark clothing, and in fact, this is the the young woman who lo looks a lot like Rafa Martez from the Clone Wars animated series. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and she was the only one in dark, you know, or, or, you know, to to have sort of dark, you know, um, accented clothing. So, again, it was one of these things where it's like, okay, am I reading too much into this as in dark as in dark side? But at the same time, Obi-Wan Kenobi wore a dark robe when we first meet him in New yeah. Hope. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, <laughs> you know, again, Freud, sometimes a scar is just a cigar. Um, <laughs> but well, the, oh boy, <laughs> I've never heard it put quite that way before. Uh, but, but it is fair to say that because of the way they're described and – and the uh, the decor of their their armor, I guess it's armor. It's, it's just very decorative. Um, they're supposed to be very squeaky clean, um, sort of the 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 paragon of virtue for Jedi, which is saying something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, again, what is it? Now we get our um, this public event is supposed to get underway this fall. Now, now mind you. You know, as we learned with, with poor Drew's The Art of, of Pixar's Onward and, you know, how, you know, the sort of supply chain from publishing got disrupted. I wonder if if these books are actually going to make it for, you know, the, the first High Republic book is going to make it out for this fall. But um, I, I, I love how they describe that the characters are all different. They're all at different stages in their individual journeys. Some have experience of the side. Some have the, the exuberance of youth and 
still others are trying to find their place in the order while uh, you know others that are clicking to leadership roles um now you're keeping better tabs on this than i am which is the first of the books that's supposed to drop so the first book which comes out in uh, the earliest the one in the fall is called uh, it's called light of the jedi by charles soul okay that's the first one and then we have there's a comic book series the high republic which is written by kevin scott uh, then we've got Jose Elder, which has got the High Republic Adventures for IDW. We've got the High Republic, A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland, and that is a middle grade novel. And that one comes out September 8th. Okay, so that's that's really not that far away. Then we have Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. And that one is a little bit, that one is coming out October 13th. That's considered a young adult novel. Okay. The uh, well, Charles Souls one that kicks it all off. That one, the actual date for that one, as I said, that one comes out in the fall, and maybe they'll move it around. I, I don't know. It'd be great to get a little more extra entertainment these days. But that okay. one comes out on. Let's see. It's hiding from me. August twenty fifth. That's the earliest one. Okay. All right. Well, again, folks, all I ask, we're all looking forward to these books. You know, because again, this is a you know a fascinating set of characters, and you know, lots of seeming potential in the world they're setting up here. But just you know, we live in a time when we all need to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more understanding. And if if perhaps, away. Um, you know, if the, the, these these books are in fact on the slow boat from China, uh, it could be a while. So, uh, but. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll reach out to the folks at Disney and, and publishing and Lucasfilm and see if you know, they can help Zerus a little bit on that. Um, anyway, uh, okay, uh, we talked, you know, the, we, over the last couple of shows, we've, we've done a number of stories about the Disney theme parks and, uh, you know, Lucasfilm and Star Wars and, and the like. But um, I, I wanted, on, on this one, Dan, uh, to talk about the very first time, um, a, you know, a Star Wars character showed up at a Disney-owned property, um, and well, again, to properly set the stage, you need to understand that uh, Star Wars Episode for A New Hope arrived in theaters, uh, as Dan can tell you, you know, without even thinking. What is it? May twenty-fifth, seventy-seven. You got it. And the Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village uh, opened at Walt Disney World uh, on March 22nd, 1975. And the difference between these two things is one was a hit right out of the box. And the other one was not. Um, uh, you, you've, you've been to the, the newly revived uh, Disney Shopping Village, uh, Disney Springs, right? Oh, my gosh. It's, I have many, many times. It's one of the most wonderful places in the world. Okay, and and you've of course been to the void and and done. Yes. Uh, okay. That that. Uh, it's heck. Did they? They only did the one Star Wars thing there, right? Uh, right. Was- yeah. So far, just the one. I, and I experienced it in Glendale and in Orlando. Okay, but um, you know, it, it, it. Face it, Disney Springs is is a fun, exciting place. Whereas. 
Um, the Imagineers, when they initially designed this waterfront shopping district, district they, they what they were shooting for, you know, in fact, the, the literature of the time says it was a, a restful atmosphere, similar to a New England seaside village. Um, and, Dan, it may be that the Imagineers did their job too well, because uh, if you talk to people who vacationed at Walt Disney World as well as Central Florida locals who, who'd you know, went by the original iteration of uh, the Lake Buena Vista shopping village uh, back in the mid seventies. Uh, you know, they they would describe the place as a snooze. So, uh, literally in seventy seven, uh, the managers start trying to jazz the place up. And in fact, when I say jazz, I mean that literally. One of the very first things they built in order to you know uh, make the Lake Buena Vista shopping village seem that much more exciting and, and more Disney. Uh, was the Empress Lily, uh, which was this uh, 220-foot-long faux paddle-wheel steamboat uh, that was named after Walt's uh, life, wife Lillian and had three restaurants as well as a jazz lounge on it. Uh, did you ever manage to make it onto that, Dan? No. No, I wish. And when you were a, a cast member down there with the college program? or uh, No, I, I for some reason it just it just didn't didn't happen oh okay yeah i wish well all right it it, it, it you know uh, very elegant in fact this was the, the i remember seeing place. it i definitely remember seeing it but mm -hmm. just not going on it yeah well that that's again a lot of folks have probably have happy memories of it because again this was the first place you could do character dining on disney property uh you know that that you know, they, they again when they weren't doing the jazz lounge thing at night and in the morning hours. In fact, you know, at its busiest, at its height, they were doing three breakfasts a morning in there. You know, the, 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 and just so people could have really bad pancakes and and cold bacon and hang out with Mickey. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back to '77, so they open the Empress Lily, but they they want to try to make the shopping village, uh, which, by the way, they they they've renamed at this point. It's now the Walt Disney World Village. Subtle, right? You know, just just in case people wanted it to be more Disney. Um, and they also <laughs> the the other way they wanted to make it, it, it more exciting, uh, hip happening, is is by inviting. Uh, colorful characters like Don Post. Um, now you you collect uh, you know some Star Wars merch, right? So uh, <laughs> some that's like saying Willy Wonka made some chocolate. But uh, do you have any of Don Post's masks in your collection? No, I do not have them. But I I can certainly think of a lot of great spots to place them for sure. Okay. Um, well, I, I guess we, we should explain who Don Post was. Um, Don was actually the guy. Like, and again, it's it's one of these things where it's like, I never thought there was actually a guy who did this, but the, he was the guy who invented the over-the-head latex mask back in the 1930s. Um, which the irony is, it made Don hugely popular in Hollywood because. Uh, especially in the 1950s, his, his television is taking off, and you have all these people who are working in effects who, you know, frankly need a quick and easy and cheap solution to their show's makeup challenges. Um, so anyway, Don's out in Hollywood. He developed his working relationships with the powers that be in Tinseltown, and which is how he's one of the very first guys to get into product licensing. 
Um, so to be specific, Don acquires the, the license to make light latex masks of the classic Universal Monsters, uh, the chimpanzee, orangutan, and gorilla characters from 20th Century Fox, Planet of the Apes movies, uh, the Kirk and Spock. Uh, he made masks of Kirk and Spock from Star Trek's Paramount series, which uh, kind of a weird tangent here. Dan, um, do you know that the, the Halloween movies at all with Mike Myers? Uh-huh. I know what you're going to say. I was actually just going to add that anecdote, but yeah, go ahead. Please share that, you know, because uh, this winds up being one of Don's most popular masks. <laughs> yeah, because the, the Michael Myers mask is uh, a Captain James Tiberius Kirk mask. Only painted white, isn't it? Is that the yeah, only difference? I think so. Makes well, anyway, <laughs> and I'm sure William Shatner loves to hear that. Um, <laughs> anyway, and in addition to Star Trek, he also, you know, gets the licensing rights to a certain film series we all know and love. Um, so this brings us why to Don Post is at the Walt Disney World Village back in October of 77. He just acquired the license to not only make Chewbacca masks, but Darth Vader, C-3PO, and Stormtrooper uh, hard plastic masks. Um, and I, I, I came across an ad for them today. Dan Wall was doing the research for the show and do have this one of the very first true Star Wars collectibles would have set you back $39 and 95 cents. Um, and how much that would be in, in modern, in modern uh, pricing. I do not know. I should have checked on. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Um, but anyway, okay. So post has come down to Orlando to promote the fact that he now has the Star Wars license. And so who does he bring along with him to publicize this event? But he, he has this six foot tall friend uh, who's a bodybuilder who, and I, again, I, I've never quite had this explained to me how he has the outfit, but he has a movie authentic Darth Vader outfit in October of 77. You know, so, and remember, you know, this is, this is the period where, what is it with Kenner? It's the the early bird set of toys. You know, you could, that's right. The early bird uh, set, the box you could get. That's right. Yeah. So it, it was a question that, that the movie's only been in theaters since May. Um, so it's like either this is one of the the dot theater outfits from the film. Uh, or Don has got leaned on somebody in the, in the industry and got them to make the outfit for him. And it, it's, it's movie accurate. Uh, and where the story gets interesting is when he came to Orlando because he was doing this promotional appearance and they remember, we, we, I think we talked in a previous show about, uh, how Lucasfilm and Fox were trying to keep Star Wars front of mind. So that's, you know, they, that, that's when they made the, the characters made the appearance, uh, just a month ahead of that on uh, the Donnie Marie show on ABC and then that short-lived Richard Pryor variety show. Um, so when the Don Post arrived in Orlando, he had all sorts of buttons and T-shirts and poster and iron-on uh, things that Lucasfilm and, and Fox had given him, you know, to the effect of give these away, give the, you know, that they, they, keep people excited about Star Wars. 
And so <laughs> the thing is, Don was not ready for what uh, he and Darth encountered when they got to the Walt Disney World Village uh, in October of 77. Um, to sort of set the stage here, that there was a Central Florida radio station, BJ 105, um, it, which the entire week ahead of when Don and Darth were supposed to be at the Walt Disney World Village, uh, they were promoting this event and they were, you know, giving away masks and posters for people who could call in and answer trivia questions about a new hope. Um, so, you know, and, and you know, Don had thought, all right, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, we're just going to set this up. We're going to be there for three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and we'll do like a two hour session in the morning from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, we'll do a second session, uh, two hour session in, in the afternoon from two to four. And then finally a one hour session from seven, eight. And, you know, we'll just, and, and he arranged with Disney. It's like, well, where is a centrally located place in the shopping village? And, uh, that's under the captain's tower, uh, this outdoors kind of a stage area. Um, so, you know, so they, they arrive in Orlando with their, their boxes of posters and buttons and this person who, you know, fits in the Darth Vader outfit. And, but as they pull into the parking lot, you know, out ahead of the 10 o'clock appearance, there are already 500 people lined up in the Florida sun. Um, and this is Friday, on Friday, the work day. Uh, and, um, they, Dan, they, by two o'clock, they had given away all the buttons and the posters, uh, and the t-shirts and the iron-ons. And nobody cared because they were there to get their picture taken with Darth Vader. And every day the crowds grew. And, um, and, and the interesting thing is that Don, you know, because again, just like the early bird Kenner thing. They didn't have any masks. They had only just recently gotten the license uh, a couple of weeks in advance. But he was, you know, he had artwork of what the masks were going to look like. And he had, you know, clipboards you know, for people who wanted to get a mask to sign up for it. And he collected so many signatures and then mailed them out. And then so many people who went to the event actually purchased a Darth Vader or a C-3PO or a Stormtrooper mask that, this is what convinced Don to fight tooth and nail uh, to keep the the Star Wars mask license. Uh, and the Post family was able actually able to to hang on to this till 1999, Dan. Um, Which is extraordinary. Yeah, I, I, I think only with the release of uh, Phantom Menace did the, the rights finally revert back to Lucasfilm. And I would imagine that they found somebody who was willing to pay quite a lot to get the mask rights again. Um, but yeah, the, the, and the funny thing is you can go online, online right now and if you Google uh, Darth Vader Disney World 1977, you can get to see some amazing images of tiny little girls uh, standing next to the giant six-foot man in the Darth Vader outfit. And the, all these little girls just look delighted that I, I'm here with Darth Vader. I'm, I'm here with the Sith Lord. You know, you know, you know my, my Disney World vacation is made. That's and, so great. 
is. It is. Um, and what was kind of interesting about this is, of course, you know, Don certainly didn't know. Nobody knew in the fall of 77 that there was this, you know, there were all these other films coming and or that, 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 that you know, Star Wars would be this evergreen thing. But um, Don and Darth did so well on that trip when that by the time 1980 rolled around and, and Empire was being released, uh, they went back to Orlando. Uh, but that's a story we will save for another uh, edition of Looking at Lucasfilm. I love um, it. Don and Darth sounds a lot like Dan and Drew. Notice I put Drew in the Darth Vader position. Well, you know, and I was just, I've seen you do some, a lot of social media over the past couple of weeks of show, and you were just putting out um, some wonderful images from uh, the Star Wars celebration in uh, Chicago last year. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that, that again, thanks to Drew for filling in for me that, you know, I, I had this I bow out of celebration because we were dealing with my dad at that point. Um, but speaking of which though, you've got to be, and again, I'm sorry to, to, you know, be the Debbie Downer again, but you've been paying attention to Governor Newsom in California as well as I have. Yes. Um, and the way he's talking now, um, I'm growing concerned not only about San Diego Comic-Con, but this year's Star Wars celebration. Yeah, it doesn't sound uh, promising or optimistic. I mean, I I, re I remain hopeful until I hear otherwise. But yeah, if if as the governor mentioned the other day, he can't imagine there being large gatherings through the month of August in the state of California. So it, it doesn't sound hopeful, and I really, really want to be because I think this will be great. But I, I'm afraid that this is going to affect international travel. Of course, I mean. Would people internationally want to travel if it was open? I mean, it, it may be, it's really hard to tell. I'm glad I don't have to make that call, but obviously safety and health and common sense has to come first. That's true. It has to. But all right. Well, but, but if, if people want to keep tabs on, on this sort of stuff or, or more to the point, you know, just in general, what's going on in the world of Star Wars now, are you still doing the two live coffee with Kenobis per week? I'm doing the regular podcast comes out every Thursday as it always has. And then every Monday night at eight o'clock PM central standard time on facebook.com slash coffee with Kenobi or coffee with Kenobi.com slash live. That is where you can find me doing the live shows. Oh, okay. They're All video. Right. So it's fun. I, like I said, I think I said this on a previous show, but I put a lot of production value into it and, and try to incorporate top fives every week to include people in the conversations. And we've had an absolute blast, really. And then we're also releasing them after Facebook Live. They stay on our Facebook page, of course, which you can like anytime. But we're also putting them on our YouTube channel and on Instagram, too. Hmm. Well, that, that that's great. You know, and, and again... Obviously, you know, the weird part of it is you, you would think with, you know, people being furloughed and all that, there wouldn't be all that much to talk about. But that's really not the case. No, uh, there's, there's plenty. There's 40 plus years of history to dive into. Yeah, that, there we go. That, 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 that's, you and I work. We definitely both work that side of the street. But <laughs> yes. 
But anyway, and, and, and now, and again, it's not just coffee with Kenobi. You've also got your, your Patreon project, right? Or That's right. Our, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with Kenobi. We have an exclusive podcast all called CWK Prover, where we look at popular culture. And depending on the, the level of contribution you get per month, you can see podcasts, videos, or be part of a live stream as well. Wow. Okay, I thought I was busy. Um, and speaking of busy, let's see, we got uh, Disney Dish with Len Testo. We got uh, Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, who says hi, by the way. Well, uh, good. Hello, Drew. <laughs> He's got, kind of been slipping on the uh, on the, the, the given Dancy grief stuff. He needs to kind of step up his game. Very, very busy. I don't know if you've seen some of the stories he's been writing for Vanity Fair, but Drew has been kicking butt. Oh, he's been amazing. Yeah, he has been amazing. Stuff. Uh, but yeah, we've got uh, Marvelous is I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here at the, the Jimmy Hill Media Podcast Network. Uh, we got Universal Giant with Dustin Fuse. We're working on a new edition of that. Uh, likewise, in fact, if you enjoyed, uh, Dan and I talking about the, uh, oh, the Hallmark ornaments, uh, Michelle Valladolid and I are going to do a deep, deep dive on that stuff for the next episode if I want that. Um, though, tell you what, folks, if, if you could do us a favor, both Dan and I, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend, uh, both Coffee with Kenobi and, uh, looking at some that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, Nancy would like me to remind you you can also subscribe uh, to the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network over at Bandcamp uh, let's see uh, we did we talk about your social media presence Dan your... oh no no not yet thanks for bringing that up you can find me if you want to continue the conversation on Twitter at Mr. Zare M-R-Z-E-H-R and Coffee with Kenobi's on Instagram Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest and YouTube uh we're not nearly that ambitious uh you can find us uh on twitter and instagram at jim hill media and on facebook is jim hill media news uh and i guess that's gonna do it for this week folks and um but like i said mark the calendars uh lots of good stuff coming on may 4th uh and we'd love to talk with you folks as we head into uh, this final run of Star Wars Clone Wars to see what you think of the show. So, uh, but we'll get to that on the next edition of Looking at Lucasfilm.